teacher coach with TK and Scott. Welcome everybody to the teacher coach podcast coming at you live, actually not so live, but pre-recorded from studio 496 in Summit County here, folks, in beautiful green Ohio. It's 81 degrees outside, ladies and gentlemen. We made it through the black hole and the abyss of what is known as the basketball season to Coach Callahan and I. Scott Callahan is my co-host. He was the assistant coach at Wadsworth High School this year. My name is TK Griffith. I have been the head coach at Archbishop Hoban for the last 28 years, and this is our podcast called the Teacher Coach Podcast. Today, we are so blessed and excited to have with us our first member of the media ever to come on to the Teacher Coach Podcast. This is a big deal for us because we love reading his work. Um, it's also a big deal because we, we put the podcast on hiatus for basketball season, so we're, excited, so we're, we're really excited to be back. With us today is Matt Gould from cleveland.com and the plain dealer he's going to tell us more in a second so matt we call this the teacher coach podcast because scott and i really believe in the uh modality and the philosophy of the teacher coach um not that we think the teacher coach is necessarily better but it's more of a philosophical uh slant upon which we think uh, the best coaches are kind of like your john wooden type of guys who have a didactic approach to to coaching the game of basketball or any sport we're not just about basketball here um we also kind of like the the teacher who is uh, living the grind with the students during the day and then also going to the court, but it certainly doesn't have to be that model. I guess my first question for you is, were you influenced a lot to get into sports coverage by teachers or coaches? You know, uh, going, going back to high school, I played football, but I love basketball. Basketball was my favorite sport, but, you know, I was, uh, you know, I'm five, nine and a half, five, ten, And I, I believe it or not, I'm, I'm about 170 pounds. I was 240 pounds in high school. So I was a, li- wow. a lineman. Wow. And I definitely didn't have the wherewithal to survive uh, suicides or we called them rams, uh, yeah. you know, so uh, I, I became the cameraman and okay. I kind of got into things there. And I remember whenever there was a big game, I'd kind of like spice things up from the birds, <laughs> you know, like, with zooming in on stuff. And, right, right. <laughs> and I'm sure the coach didn't appreciate that too much because, you know, uh, you know, he's just looking at it for a film oh, yeah. perspective, but right, uh, right. <laughs> but you know, it, that was kind of like my first taste of it. And also, yeah. I remember uh, something that was near and dear to my heart was my freshman year. You know, it's our last year as a freshman team. We're playing yeah. together, and right. Learning Journal used to do uh, the results for our freshman games. They would wow. put the box scores in the paper on yeah. like Tuesdays and or Wednesdays and Fridays. Yeah. So that kind of got my piqued my interest into it. And you know, right. next thing I know I'm shadowing yeah. like the Jerry Rombach at the Illyria Chronicle and uh, for my social studies class. And one thing led to another. Uh, I would say, you know, I, I through a mutual friend of my father's, he knew Jason Lloyd, who's now at the athletic. So I got my foot in at the Lorraine Journal and I started doing that while I was going to college. Went to the Lorraine community for a little bit, uh, then went to Kent for three years and uh, went to Pennsylvania for about seven years after college, after a stint as a sports editor in Lorraine. And uh, my goal was to get back to Northeast Ohio and here we are. That's awesome. Are you guys hearing that sound, by the way? Yes, I am. Okay. I don't know where that's coming from, but we're good now. Um, Matt, what was Jerry and, and some of those guys, first of all, where'd you go to high school? Oberlin. You went to Oberlin. Okay. Yeah. Wow. We had this discussion because I think you had mentioned coaching against them maybe your first year or second year. I did. Holy cow. Yeah. You, you have a memory and I do not. That was yeah. my, that was my first away game I ever coached was at Oberlin. I'll never forget the bus driver was Don Schubert and he is uh, God rest his soul, but he was a long time. Uh, he did it all at Hoban. 
And uh, he gave me a few pointers on the bus ride home because we did not win the game. But he did it in such a diplomatic way uh, that I had to respect it. But, Matt. Well, was, um, it, was it the 93-94 season or the 95-96 season? It should have been 93-94 to my, to my knowledge. But it might have been maybe I'm just having a flashback and it was 96. And, and maybe it was the first time I coached my brother. Um, well, I remember, I remember our teams were – Oberlin's teams were really good through my – seventh grade year which was the 95-96 season that was the last really good run Oberlin had like where they were winning district titles every year and, wow. and winning their league so okay so yeah yeah I don't know how good we were but was Jerry um at the at the Lorraine paper that you mentioned was he kind of like a teacher or a coach to you so to speak well I only had that interaction with him once yeah when I was in middle school and right. I it was funny because when I started covering stuff for the Lorraine Journal as a stringer and I'd I'd cover games with him he'd mention him he'd say oh I had so many shadows over the years uh actually I would say Jason Lloyd was my number one influence as a writer uh Scott Pasco, who I still work with today is a big influence uh they, they provided me with a lot of tips and things that I thought gave me a leg up because when I went to Kent, uh, I kind of dabbled a little bit on the, uh, the, the daily Kent Stater staff. And it was funny because Michael Bevan was at the Akron uh, 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 Book Delight at right. the University of Akron at the time. And, uh, but I got my foot in the door and basically I would say I was like kind of had my everybody was kind of like full go with it. But since yeah. I was working professionally, it allowed me to basically get the men's basketball beat really fast. Wow. And that was a big help because I ended up developing relationships with guys like Chet Mason, Deandre Haynes. Oh yeah. And a lot of guys who are now coaches, right. Who were right. college players in the Mac at the time. And that was a big help because as soon as I moved back to Ohio, you know, I knew Michi Johnson. Right. So, right. Uh, you know, so I knew Gar the Garfield guys right away. I knew right. Chet when he got hired at Brush right away. Right. And that really helped a lot because, yeah. you know, covering sports, just like for coaching for you guys, it's all about the relationships. Absolutely. You know, when you're trying to schedule a game, especially this year at the last minute. Right. It's all about the relationships. Yeah. yeah. And for me to find out, you know, get news tips and kind of like, all right, hey, here's something I need to have my ear to the ground. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times for me, when I'm reporting your non-game stuff, it's all about knowing something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, Lorraine High is going to be hiring a new head coach soon. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to like make sure, hey, I know who it's going to be so I can maybe pre-write it. Yeah. But then once it's good to go and I can yeah. write it officially, I'm ready to go. And if yeah. I'm the first person to write it, great. Right. Uh, if not, so be it. You win some, you lose some. Exactly. Um, t tell me about Jason Lloyd. Uh, you said he was a big influence for you. And I'm just curious in what ways did he influence you? Is it, was it your technical writing? Was it how to do the job? Was it the work ethic? You know, what, what pieces did you kind of pick up from him? It was all the above. Uh, when I first started as a correspondent while I was in college, he was the Ohio State beat writer for the Lorraine Journal. Wow. And he, he would always write, try to find stories that nobody else was writing about. Right. You know, he was trying to write, he would, you know, Glenville wasn't in our coverage area, but he would try to get a hold of Ted Gid for features mm -hmm. when, when, you know, and, and things of that nature. And that kind of yeah. was like my, my first open, open my eyes of like right. writing stories that are off the beaten path. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and sometimes they're kind of hard to come up with. And, and what's really important is you, it's always helpful to have somebody at your ear, whether it's a sports editor or, or somebody right. else at the staff. Right. Who kind of throws those suggestions because usually yeah. you don't see the force for the trees when you're working your beat. Exactly. Like uh, 
you might notice I hardly ever write too many feature stories during football and basketball season. Right. Cause I don't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. yeah. Uh, every once in a while, something will pop up like, and it's usually during the preseason when I'm making all my visits that I notice something. Right. Uh, for, for an example, last year uh, at Olmstead falls and actually I was talking to Olmstead falls as football coach before last season uh, when we were, I was kind of getting my reconnaissance ready, doing my research, typing schedules. Yeah. And he mentioned one of his star linebackers who was coming back, a kid who had played as a freshman, was a, is a junior right now, yeah. wasn't going to be able to play anymore. Yeah. But he was going to stay stick around as a coach. And I said, yeah. I want to write a story about him. That's cool. You know, and that's how yeah. those things pop up. Yeah. Uh, two years ago, during basketball visits, when I was at Lakewood, mm-hmm. I noticed there was a deaf kid on the team. Yeah. And he had his interpreter there with him the whole time. Right. And I said, I want to write a story about yeah. that. Yeah. And that's usually whenever I write a feature, it's yeah. usually because it pops up during my preseason visits, right. the idea to do one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for example, right now, like just, you know, even though I'm on vacation, I was talking with my boss about like uh, maybe writing about uh, Sean Crawford and Liam Eikenberg yeah. for right. the draft. Right. And try to do some localized stories on local yeah. guys who yeah. might be drafted. Right. Into that what, what, what do people not understand about, you know, you, you say write a feature and I, I love teaching English and I love writing. And I know whether it's um, something I'm writing for the banquet or maybe even a eulogy I'm giving for a friend or somebody that passed away, a relative. I mean, it, it could take me three days to get that thing done. I mean, t- tell me about the process of writing a story for you. You know, how, how much goes into it? Yeah, it, it fluctuates. And there's times where, you know, I go into a story with, I'm going to make this a, maybe spend half a day on it, six yeah. hours a day on a day yeah. on it. And then I end up fussing over it and fussing <laughs> over it. And yeah. 20 hours later, I'm still working on it, you know, right. a few days later. Uh, it, it really depends on, it's yeah. always an opportunity for a rabbit hole, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And whenever you write, you kind of want to go into the idea of like, here's what I'm going to write. I try to stick to rules of three a beginning, middle of end, yeah. three topics, three things yeah. that jump out to me. Right. Whenever I call somebody, like if I'm going to call you to interview yeah. you uh, about Jonah Nichols, yeah. you know, or Jonas Nichols, I'm going to, I'm going to think of three things I want to ask about him yeah. or, or something of that nature. Right. Or if I want to do a feature on Solomon rise yeah. at Wadsworth, right. I'm going to think of three things before I make that first phone call to right. coach Moser or somebody, right. you know, to, right to, you know, just to get the ball rolling, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and you never know, like, uh, like, for example, I did a ton of features for, uh, for basket for the state basketball championships. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of like goes down a rabbit hole of like, Hey, I want to do something on, uh, Cam Joyce and Drew Joyce being the first father son, uh, right. Combo to get down to the state finals yeah, uh, or state championship weekend, I should say. And I knew in the back of my mind, I wanted to talk to Coach Joyce's wife. Right. But I didn't know because nobody's ever really talked to her that much right. before. So right. like when I was talking to Coach Joyce, I just mentioned it. And, yeah. you know, next thing I know, I'm on speakerphone. With <laughs> right. You know, and, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's just kind of funny. Like things, the best stories usually turn out when you let them lead you where they go. Yeah. Absolutely. And you don't have a predefined thought process. Right. Usually when I go into a story and I have, yeah. way too many thoughts of what I want to ask about. Yeah. I have too much to write about and then it takes yeah. me forever to write. It. Yeah. I feel like that's coaching a, better usually. That, that's kind of like coaching a basketball game. You know, you, you, you kind of have to let the players take it where it's going to go. You, you can't come in with these predestined plans. It doesn't always work out that way. You have to adjust mm-hmm. and see what, so what's working for them. But go ahead, Scott. Um, 
What type of high school student would you encourage to get into journalism? Hmm, that's a, that's a <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily encourage somebody to get into journalism if it's not something they already want to get into. If you know what I'm saying? Uh, it depends. If there's somebody who's already doing it, you know, I, I would say lead where let like get your feet wet. Try to try to get into it a little bit more, whether it's, you know, reaching out to the local newspaper and saying, Hey, can I, do you need somebody to, cover some games on the side here and there or, or type up stuff, you know, just to get, get some exposure to it, to find out if you really do like it. Right. Uh, that could be high school sports. It could be yeah. pro sports. I think everybody goes into it from the sports perspective. Like I want to cover the Cavs or the right. Indians or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, when I got into it, I really wanted to cover college basketball. Yeah. And I, I still did through college, but I'll tell you what, when I moved to Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. And I was covering high schools out there. Yeah. And actually, I went over there as a editor. I didn't go there as a writer. Right. But my, my video experience allowed me to write a little bit. And I used that to get back into writing. Yeah. So, you know, that is a lot like just the, my whole writing advice is you don't go into it with, if you go into it with a preconceived idea, it's not going to turn out the way you plan it anyway. Right. So, you know, it's more about trying things out. I would tell any high school student have two majors in mind. If you're going to go to college, think about multiple interests. I think a lot of times it's always like, Hey, you know, their parents always say, Hey, what do you want to do? You got to figure out something you want to do. Try to think of actually multiple things you want to do. Right. Right. Cause you never know where your past going to leave you. I, yeah. I think sometimes, man, thinking back to high school, I did not sign up for college until my day of graduation. Wow. The, 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 um, I kind of put it on the back burner because I kind of figured, oh, I'm just going to go to the community college for a little bit. And that day of graduation, there were sign up slips for it. And that's how I ended up getting into community college. (laughs) I didn't think about it until the last minute. Right. Right. You know, uh, we try to be control freaks with everything. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, you know, like I'm trying to think when I was in high school, I thought about teaching. I thought about you know, English and journalism kind of go hand in hand, I think. Yeah. So, you know, I would encourage students to think of multiple things you want to do. Think of, think of a minor and a major if you're going to go to college. Yeah. Uh, I think if you're in a vocational school, you're already a leg up. Right. Right. You know, you've mentioned this several times, Matt, uh, your video capabilities, what type of skill set does the modern journalists need in order to be successful? Uh, experience. You know, I, I think that's the biggest thing. There's very few people who try to do both. And there's actually few places that are asking people to do both. Like I was kind of lucky that I was in a spot where I kind of learned video out of necessity, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a lot of trial and error. Like my, my degree says newspaper journalism. <laughs> and that's probably, that's probably a, a, <laughs> a secret because yeah. you know, I would say only probably maybe if I'm lucky, a fourth of my stuff ends up in the newspaper, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and newspapers, honestly, I mean, a lot of people consider it a dying breed, Yeah, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> you'd probably consider like a, and I'm trying to think of, you know, it, it's really a hard industry to get into because yeah. to be honest, I would not encourage somebody to do it necessarily. Right. right. Um, 
and a lot of the kids I see doing it, it really is a young kid's game, but they're also, they're doing it as a side job, really. Right. Right. You know, you, you have to look at it as a hobby. And right. that's where I'm so lucky is that I was, I felt like I was the last person who went into it as a career, but I also looked at it as a hobby at the same time. Right. Where I didn't care if I was going to just spend all day on it every right. day. Right. You know, now, Matt, you described it as a dying industry. So do you think in 10 years from now, someone will be covering high school sports in Northeast Ohio, the same way you are at a major newspaper? I, I hope so. Um, I, I'll be honest, I've had opportunities to go cover, you know, other beats. And to me, there's something special about covering high school sports around here, especially the basketball and football, which is my passion. Right. So, you know, I, I'll be honest, sports that aren't high school basketball and football, it's quite possible there won't be anybody covering it. Cause I mean, heck we hardly cover it that much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I would say, you know, will the beacon have, you know, will Michael Bevan be, co- I, I can't speak to what they're going to do. Right. I can't speak to, you know, I think there will always be your Bedina gazettes, your Illyria yeah. Chronicles, right. your papers that cover just a County. Yeah. Uh, the Metro is where it's really not going to be. Right. I think what I'm doing is kind of, and what Michael's doing is kind of like the, the edge of yeah. where those papers are at right now. Right. So, you know, it's tough to say if, you know, if we aren't at our spots doing what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there'll be like a correspondent doing it. Right. Right. You know, I, I, I yeah. think, you know, Matt, I don't think yeah. there'll be a full timer doing it. So that's, that's right. the thing. Like right now you look at high school sports coverage, especially on bas- let's, basketball, right. 270 hoops in Columbus, mm-hmm. uh, prep hoops will hire one person to do it. And that's actually a paid site too. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't realize that I think if, unless they click on actually click right. on the stuff and right. heck, we actually have a paywall now too. Right. Uh, but what that's been helpful because we're covering more non basketball stuff because of that. Right. So I, I think the market's going to ultimately dictate it because uh, yeah. right now I'm not covering much, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what, if uh, what Joe McGill's doing for us right now, covering mm-hmm. some track meets. Yeah. If there's a great, uh, if there's a good feedback for that, right. Guess what? I'm going to be covering more of that stuff too. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's really going to, I think we're in an interesting spot where at least where cleveland.com is, we could end up covering more. Absolutely. But yeah. Who knows what the future holds. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, going back to the beginning of the podcast, when I mentioned that the teacher coach modality and all that stuff, I mean, as, as a journalist, I, I guess, is there a certain type of, of coach that you guys, and I don't want names or anything like that, but that, do you guys respect guys who are in the classroom? Do you care if guys are in the classroom? Is there, is there a certain, um, mystique about, you know, Dick Doofman, who was at Aurora, he, he retired about seven to 10 years ago, but he was an English teacher and Randy Montgomery was at North Cat and Hoover. These might've been out, outside of your jurisdiction, but he was a longtime educator. You know, is, is there anything there from the teacher coach, um, I guess, perspective that as a journalist, you guys even think about, or is it just more about the players and, and celebrating the successes on the court? I think it's, it depends on that's something. If it's somebody who's just doing stuff starting out, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody who's like new or doesn't do too much stuff. I think they probably just think of the wins and losses and going covering kids every once in a while. Uh, it really comes down to the relationships because, mm-hmm. you know, once I start writing about a coach, mm-hmm. half the time is when I find out like, Hey, they're, 
you know, their background and things like yeah. that. So it's really, yeah. it depends on the pockets, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like for example, John Rossitano just retired at Lorraine. I mentioned yeah. the Lorraine angle earlier. Uh, you know, he, he's somebody who I, I've known for 20 years. Right. So that's something where I know his background and there is a little bit of a, yeah. a mystique and a respect for that. You know, it's really right. in areas where it's not, it's more of just a flat out ignorance to it. You know, uh, <laughs> right, right. And, and, and that happens from time to time, you yeah. know, like, yeah. especially when there's a new coach. Um, like, for example, I, I think a good example would be uh, Dan DeCrane over at Gilmore. You know right. him pretty well, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and he was down in Columbus. And, you yeah. know, when he came back, I quickly learned about his backstory. Right. You know, so, you know, it really comes down to learning and getting to know these guys. And, yeah. and for me, it's, it's, that's tough to answer because for my area, I'll pay attention to schools in a seven county radius. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm always meeting somebody new for the first time, even if they've been there for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So Matt, you've watched hundreds, if not thousands of high school basketball games. How do you know if a high school basketball team is well coached? <laughs> if they're well coached, I, I always think it comes down to uh, what you're working with, you know, like, uh, oh, man, I can't, I'm trying to think, of, I'm trying to think of a situation where I could tell a team wasn't well coached. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's probably the better, uh, better, better uh, thing to go about uh, approach to that. Right. Right. You know, uh, I'll tell you what, since I'm not in Pennsylvania anymore, uh, <laughs> that's a good, uh, smart move. You know, I, I'm not going to single out anybody here, but also I, I'm blessed. I, I don't say blessed, but you know, I, I, I don't get to see too much bad basketball because I get to right. pick and choose here. When yeah. you're looking at seven counties, I'm usually picking the best of the best to go cover from time right. to time. Right. You know, I mean, when I come and see you guys, I'm seeing you guys against Hoban against Walsh Jesuit. Right. You know, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, or, or Villa Angeles St. Joe's or somebody yeah. like that, you know, right. I'm going to see Wadsworth. It's probably Wadsworth versus Nor uh, North Royalton and Omar. Right. Yeah. or, or, or Brex, probably Brexville next year. I'll probably see you guys versus Brexville next year. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> uh, you know, but I'm not seeing those, those other games, but I'll yeah. tell you what, when I was in Pennsylvania, I covered just one uh, county and a half. Yeah. And I got to see my share of bad basketball, <laughs> you know, and you know, I'll tell you what, usually when I can tell a team is poorly coached, it's there's infighting. Yeah. The kids don't get along. Uh, yeah. that's usually what it comes down to is communication. When you see the kids talking yeah. amongst each other, amongst themselves, yeah. it, it's usually, you know, the coach has a good feel of his kids. Right. And when I mentioned the, you see infighting, yeah. what that's usually stuff that, you know, rooted up in November practices. Absolutely. You know, where, yeah. where a, a kid may, maybe didn't get cut. Yeah. And actually I was talking to a friend who works in Newark this year, who was, who shared with me, uh, like some film he saw of a kid. And he was like, you know, the coach probably should have cut that kid to snip yeah. that in the bud in the first yeah. place, but he didn't want to because he yeah. was a, a top of the rotation guy. Yeah. You know? So I, I think that's probably because that goes back to the educational Absolutely. aspect of it. You know, when Absolutely. you're coaching high school basketball, junior yeah. high basketball, yeah, education goes along with it right. too. And right. Is there, yeah. When you say the educational component, Matt, I, I'm just curious, and maybe you can't speak on this. I, I'm not asking you to speak on this with any particular programs or anything like that, but is, is there a sense of that, you know, the climate is changing here in, in high school basketball mm -hmm. and, and many teams that, that might have great success um, 
they, they might take like two transfers in this year, or they might have three kids move in. Is, is there a sense from your end? How do I say this? Is, is there a little less respect for a program like that? Or is there more respect because they're, because they're better to watch because they've got some dudes out there. You know what I mean? I, I know you I can't comment depends. on that. Yeah. I think it depends. You know, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, this year, it kind of got thrown out the window, but I yeah. will. I will say this. Yeah. When I vote for coach of the years for districts, yeah. all yeah. district and stuff like that, and uh, me and Coach Vowles had this discussion. You remember because he oh, yeah. emailed because he emailed me your district nominations, yeah. and I said, "Hey, I don't do inland." <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, but like, I'll tell you what, I will not vote a coach of the year if he took in a, some transfers and that benefited their team. Wow. Because I'll, I'll tell you what, I when I vote coach of the year, I yeah. vote. Who, who did the most yeah. with the least or had wow. the face the most. And wow. honestly, admittedly, a lot of times private school coaches yeah. kind of don't get the benefit of the doubt with that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I always bring up when we have that discussion in our all district meeting, I was like, yeah. Hey, you got to yeah. look, if you're going to hold that against a private school coach, you got to sure. hold that against a public school coach. Yeah, too. you do. Yeah, you do. Uh, so Man. It, it depends on the situation. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I got to, I got to butt in here, even though I'm supposed to be quiet because that's my job. But uh, I respect the heck out of that. I, Scott, I don't know about you, but I, I respect the heck out of that. You know, that, that that's good to hear. I have hope. Maybe I'll stay in coaching for two to four more years. You know, uh, I really do respect that. Cause to me, it's great. It's, I'm glad that you see that because that that's the way I see it. Like, I was really excited um, on a couple guys who got in. And again, I don't want to, you know, whatever. There was a couple guys who got um, picked, and uh, I don't want to say who they were. I was like, man, that's. A, I'm really glad that that guy got shouted out because he's been working his butt off over there, mm-hmm. and uh, and and he got recognized. And that's the way it's supposed to be, you know. Yeah. Well, like here's an example. You and you'll look at uh, my. I'll. T- I will say this: Cleveland.com's coach of the year the last three straight years has been a division one coach from the Northeast Lakes district who did not win district coach of the year, the last three years. Now, one of those two years, one of those three years, I actually did nominate the coach who won it, but I had hindsight of the playoffs to change my mind. That's right. Yeah. But I I will admit two of those last three years, right. I disagreed with our district's pick. Yeah for that yeah. coach. And, <laughs> and it showed when it was, <laughs> when I came out with my coach of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matt, yeah, just, looking so. at, just looking at the last six years since you've been back at cleveland.com, how has basketball in Northeast Ohio changed the most? Oh man. Uh, man, I'll, I'll tell you what, when I moved back, it felt like the area was on this big swing of talent. You know, there was, you know, there was a lot of big name guys. And, and I want to say this senior class felt like to me that last run, because there was a lot of seniors this year who started as freshmen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, everybody keeps saying, oh, the transfer situation is getting worse, you know, because that I think maybe to take this conversation that direction. I, I don't think the transfer situation has gotten worse. I think it's been prevalent throughout the last 20 years i think situations have just changed right um so you know if as far as the area has changed i would just say there's maybe we don't have too many big name kids and anymore right now and i'll say this though where where there that creates opportunity absolutely there's going to be opportunity for new kids to step up next year yeah uh and that's what 
excites me about next season. You know, we right. have a lot of senior graduating who are four-year kids. That's yeah. just going to make for more, yeah. for more, uh, more kids opportunities to step up. Fresh, fresh faces, if you will. Yeah. As far as on the floor, Matt. What's that? As far as on the floor, do you see the game changing? Uh, you it- know, I, I, I will say the games, the scores, you know, there have definitely scoring has definitely gone down. Um, when I first moved back, I want to say most games I went to, the scoring was in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those schools are now playing in the 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really weird because everybody keeps pointing to the shot clock. Right. And I, I think college basketball has shown that really the shot clock might not help that. Right. You know, I, I always go back to in the NBA, scoring was the highest in the 80s when you could do, have hand checking. Right. I, I always argue scoring in the NBA went down when they made hand checking uh, illegal. Because, <laughs> you know, hand checking allowed for more turnovers in the backcourt and a lot more easy transition baskets. Right. So right. you could argue that inflated scoring <laughs> artificially right. in a way. Right. If you look at it back uh, in retrospect. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really struggle to kind of think of why. Right. I mean, would you guys have an opinion on why scoring's down? Because that's that's the biggest thing to me is that yeah. scoring feels yeah. like it's down a little bit. Right. And I don't know if it's because you know just the style of play has gotten more of like, hey, we're working for a shot more. Right. Because um, right. there's been games where it's just you know. Yeah. <laughs> there's been ugly games where turnovers are high right. too. Right. Right. I, 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 I you yeah. know. I think it's a combination of both. Yeah, really. my, my my I don't know. It, it, it's hard to put. It's many variables. One variable to me is not as many kids go out for basketball as used to. So teams aren't as deep. So if I have two or three football guys that decide not to come out, although we're lucky, most of our football guys will play, but um, maybe I don't have 10 guys. So now I'm worried about foul trouble. So now I might play a little more zone. Now I might be a little bit more conservative on pressing. It's either that or the defensive athleticism has picked up and scouting and film. A lot of it might be huddle. You know, we, we are so prepared for every game. I mean, I, we, we like to think we're so prepared for every game. It doesn't mean that we execute it, but we know exactly what we need to do to stop that other team and film and huddle and technology, I think has allowed us to shut down and keep the other team stifled to a certain extent. If I have guys who can guard, I don't know. Well, you know what, that, that, that gets to something that I'm thinking about too, is, you know, there are fewer forwards and post players anymore in the game, mm-hmm. you know, and there's been that at the NBA level, there's been discussion that, and, I'll tell you what, when I was going over my all area stuff this uh, last few weeks, mm-hmm. I only had two forwards. I even came close to thinking of putting on the all area teams. Jay Billingsley of Lutheran East was on my first team and Henry Rayner was on my second team. And I could not think of too many forwards, right. you know, like for example, Menor, their mm-hmm. best rebounder was Jonah Wag, who's the guard. Right. right. And yeah. a lot of these forwards, you know, a lot of these kids, you know, your six, seven kids are playing like, look at Centerville, the state champion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are playing. They've got a lot of six, seven kids. And I remember getting ready for that game, talking to the mentors kids. They were telling me about like, yeah, all these guys, they don't play in the post. They're not really rebounders. Right. So they're six, seven kids playing on the wing. Right. You think about it offensively, but defensively, they're blocking passing lanes. They're doing things of that nature. Right. That makes it, if I put myself into the uh, point guard or or a wings body and from that perspective. Yeah. It's so much harder to score if you have if your path to the basket is impeded. Your Absolutely. shot from the outside is impeded by those long arms. Yeah. 
that might be the reason why it's harder to score when right. your bigs are out on the perimeter than it is yeah. if they're just if they're just lobbed in the paint you can right. still launch threes all day yeah that's a good point scott what do you think well i think it's a combination of what you guys just said i think number one it's huddle and scouting it's so much more advanced I think there's a huge emphasis on defense right now and playing multiple defenses throughout a game, which kind of messes with an offensive team's rhythm. And then really to highlight what Matt said, I think it's shot selection. There are fewer and fewer, I think, settled uncontested shots from 15 feet and in. No one really works on the mid-range game Mm -hmm. and you have very few low post players. Uh You know, there was a statistic in the Medina County Gazette. I live in Wadsworth. Only three girls in our county, three shot over 40% from the field this past season. That's that's unbelievable. I'm going to guess one was from Medina. It was. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I, I think I think I know who you're. Who, who yeah, the girl going to Ashland. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, they're post players. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and when you take the forward and the post player out, who are mm-hmm. going to shoot over fifty percent from the field, mm-hmm. you emphasize defense more, and now you have all these contested shots, whether mm-hmm. it's going to the rim off balance off one foot or shooting a three off the dribble. Mm-hmm. It, it's harder to score. Yeah. I also think there's the fear of losing. Um, I, I think coaches don't want to play that, that, that Grinnell style or that, that Loyola Marymount style because there's a lot of lack of control in that. And you, statistically, you're outside the standard deviation. So you're either going to get killed or you might win. But if you get killed, you might lose by 50. Um, you know, because Upper Sandusky was the last Pol- – Poland and Upper Sandusky were the last two teams to try that where they went to the method of, hey, we're just going to play. We're going to press the entire game, and we're going to try to outscore you 102 to 100. Now, Columbia might have been doing that. Columbiana might have been doing that this year, I heard. I don't know if you cover them at all, Matt, but I, I heard they that they were. Columbia. Or uh, they, Columbia Station. Columbia Station. They, they shot a ton of threes this year. Did they? They, 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 they had a, All their games were in the 90s. And yeah. like, they had a couple games in the 100. Okay, I didn't know if they were trying to play fast defensively, too. They were playing fast, and they they were taking a ton of threes from. Every, I didn't get to see them, but okay. uh, everybody I talked to said they took yeah. a ridiculous number of threes. Okay, and it was funny because I think Menor put them on their schedule for about a, a week. Because <laughs> there was so, there were so many games. Columbia had game schedule with, with Menor. Yeah, I want to say Medina and Brunswick all, and right. like I forget which. I think at least one of those still happened, but yeah. that was what's so weird about this year was. Yeah. So many games were scheduled, it didn't happen at the last minute, you know. Right. Matt, what do you need from a high school coach, whether it's football or basketball or, or track or whatever, in order for you to do your job, which sounds like you can be absolutely overwhelmed at times? You know what? Uh, the, the best thing is, is and I'll tell you right now, I, I, would ho- I hope to get this help from Wadsworth. I get this from Hoban every game, is just sending me the box score. That, that that's that's the biggest help because i i still do uh i do roundups and the way i've done them now is i will just cover the game i'm at that night edit my video and i will do my roundup for the next morning you know because that's traditionally you look at newspapers you read it the next day anyway mm-hmm. so i i don't push i well i do push myself at night to get it up for the next morning but i'm, I'm not trying to get it up that night yeah and uh 
that's the big thing is because I, I usually try to make sure I get info on my top 25 teams mm-hmm. and anybody else who sends it to me, I add it and put it in there. Uh, I've been doing that this year. We, uh, for Christmas, I, I like to think it was a Christmas gift. My <laughs> sports editor, uh, gave me uh, create a Google document for me where I can have coaches enter stats. You're okay. probably familiar with this because you guys filled yeah. it out a few times. Right. Okay. And yeah. uh, that was awesome. Yeah. Everybody really enjoyed it and I yeah. enjoyed doing it. And it made yeah. actually, it was easier for me to put it together with a Google document for seven counties for everybody who would send it to me. Right. Versus uh, uh, when I was at the Lorraine journal where I would have to call, where I used to call every coach. Right. You're right. And, and that's something where the game has changed too, is yeah. I think coaches now are much more, uh, willing to give you information right. versus when I first started in 2000, yeah. it was like pulling teeth to get information from some coaches. Yeah, you know, and there was yeah. a lot, everybody was really secretive and it's like, almost yeah. like, Oh, why do you want to know that? You right, know, right. I think everybody's kind yeah. of like, yeah, you want to, and that goes with knowing the person too. Yeah. You know, if you know somebody, if you have a reputation of like, Hey, you're not going to, you know, you're not hanging someone out to dry. Everybody's like, Oh, this right. is your angle. You right. know, I think that helps yeah. a lot too. Yeah. I, I remember even when the opponent, when the opposing announcer used to ask me for my starting lineup, I didn't want to give it to him <laughs> when I first started coaching. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not sure. You know, we might start this kid. It's like, come on, just give him the starting lineup. Who cares? Um, you know what, Matt, that, that reminds Heck, me. I've you, been tempted to sometimes text coaches yeah, for that. <laughs> exactly. To write it before I get there this year, because yeah. this year was so different with, uh, right. with COVID. Yeah. This year, I all season I would email coaches ahead of time, like, "Hey, I'm coming to your game. Could yeah. you send me your roster ahead of time?" Because yeah. I keep it on my. Usually, most years I tape a snapshot of it and save right. it on my phone anyway. So why right. not just get it yeah. from the coach that way? You know. Yeah. Uh, that That's was it. yeah. One one of the things that I miss a ton about coaching. I know this sounds weird. Is after the game, I always had a um, either on the bus or if it was an away game, or if it was at home, I would walk down to my classroom and I would call um, the plane dealer and I would call the Beacon Journal. And I always had a relationship with whoever answered the phone. And it's um, somebody who would never go out to games. Yeah, yeah. So there that's was always the somebody there. change right now. That person is no longer around. And that's right. what's made our job a lot tougher. Yeah. But that's also where things are a little different, where it's right. so helpful to me. I feel like even though that person's not around, yeah. coaches are so much more willing to like go out of their way. Like, I have so many coaches who will just send me a picture of the scorebook and that yeah. helps, Yeah, you know, yeah. because I, I get that and that helps with doing just a little write up. And like, if there's probably the easiest one is like a couple of coaches, like mm-hmm. shakers coach, uh, brush, like Danny young, Chet yeah. Mason, a couple of those coaches, they'll just send me, uh, like their top five, what they did. Yeah. And they'll tweet it out and then yeah. they'll just tell me what they tweeted. And then it's yeah. like, Hey, they're doing, they're, they're promoting their team on social media and they're giving me what I want anyway. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and so it's kind of like they're killing two birds with one stone. So I, yeah. I would say, Hey, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that works yeah. just as great for everybody. Yeah. You know? The other thing, the other thing that will never come back, Matt, that I really miss is I, I used to get up at probably not that early, but let's say six or 7am, go get the paper. And it would be a ritual on Saturday morning to just read the box scores. I mean, I, I might read the box scores for an hour. And I know, yeah. I know that that just isn't possible anymore, but man, for an old guy like me, <laughs> I would, yeah. Wednesdays and Saturdays, I would comb through those box scores in the paper. Like it was nobody's business. Well, so when I, I first came back, when I first came back, we had an automated site for coaches to enter that stuff. Yeah. 
and the problem was it was just really hard to navigate. You had to really learn yeah. how to navigate the site. Yeah, it was, it was those box scores. It was hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Scott, do you remember those days? Oh, absolutely. The Plain Dealer, the Beacon Journal. I live yeah. in Wadsworth, in the Medina County Gazette. Yeah. That every every Wednesday after a Tuesday night game or Saturday morning, that right. was and, that, and I would take my scissors as, yeah. as a coach. I would cut out all the box scores. I yeah. would create, you know, that, yeah. that's how you kind of monitored teams back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that still does that, don't they? The, the Lyria yeah. Chronicle does. Yeah. 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 I, I, when, I, when I got scouting reports on teams, we had all of their box scores glued on the, <laughs> on the sheet. That was the old way of scouting. But You know, that's part of the reason why maybe coaches are so much more willing to send me the scorebook or the box score because yeah. they know I'm not going to put the whole box score in. I'm just going to say, Hey, right. here's the top, here's the kids that all scored in double digits. And if, if a star player has a bad game, I might mention that. Right. But right. you don't get the whole box score. Maybe that's yeah. why everybody's much more willing <laughs> to send me the information at night. Absolutely. <laughs> by that could email. be. That could be. Um, Matt, I think what it, word of mouth too has helped too. Oh when yeah. I first started doing yeah. it, nobody knew I was doing it at first. Yeah. Yeah. And the one, the one thing that I still don't like, um, but I always tried to, to not be this guy, was if you lost, to not call your score in. Um, e- even if we lose at home, I still think it's important to get that out because, you know, some kid might have had the game of his life and scored nine points and we lost by 20. But to him, you know, it, it's important that somebody gets, you know, that, that, that somehow, some way that's out there. I don't know. I know that's not important, but. Well, you know what is. I used to do when I was that guy who was on the other end of the phone, just yeah. taking box scores at the, at night, I would yeah. always tell when that conversation came up, because yeah. sometimes I would, you know, you would notice, Hey, someone yeah. still only calls me when they, when they're yeah. at home, when they win. Yeah. yeah. I, a lot of times would encourage, especially teams where it was like, like if, if I could put myself into that position this year, yeah. Richmond Heights would have been an example because all their games were on the road. Right. Uh, I would, I would tell a lot of coaches, Hey, if you're on the road, send me your, if you win, yeah. send me your stuff. Yeah. I, I almost encourage everybody to do that. Don't yeah. you, like that used to be the unwritten rule. It was if you're home. Yeah. I tried to encourage the unwritten rule to be if you win. Yeah. Because if you lose, you don't care. (laughs) Yeah. You know, if you're going home and you're winning and plus you're on the, with technology these days, if you're on the bus, right. You have time to just, Hey, take a pic, take a picture of it with your phone and text it or or email it while you're on the bus ride. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Matt, what's your favorite, what are some of your favorite venues? I just out of curiosity. Oh, Hoban. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i mean besides uh, the obvious which is hoban oh uh, <laughs> um man oh it's that's that's such a good question you know uh it's funny i went to i got vaccinated yesterday at lorraine high school i texted you that yeah. that's one of my favorite venues it's a is newer it? school but it's it's the um i know everybody there so well yeah uh, it's a bright gym is it? Uh, and, and most photographers will tell you their favorite venues are the gyms with the good lighting. <laughs> uh, and I've, I've learned to appreciate that with my yeah. videos. My videos yeah. look a lot better in well, well-lit gyms. Okay. Although as a spectator, I prefer right. yeah. the gyms that almost, it feels like a spotlight. Right. Right. You know? Um, yeah. So man, but uh, favorite venues. Uh, I'll tell you what, everybody will probably say, Oh, Garfield's one of your favorites, but actually it's not. <laughs> Really? <laughs> uh, it's because, because like the one end is just so wide. 
Yeah. It's almost, it makes it a little cavernous. Yeah. Uh, Shaker's an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I like that venue a lot, although parking is awful there. Right. Right. Parking factors into a lot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, the Lake Erie League schools, I'm, I'm always a sucker for. Yeah. Uh, uh man uh east tech was always fun yeah especially before they put the new floor in because right. they had that really awkward i don't even know was it like synthetic rubber yeah they did you know? yeah like, wellington used to have that type of floor did too, they? Yeah. okay Warren county yeah i played up there one time at east tech last two two seasons ago that is yeah a really cool it venue. was the last game i was going to go to it and it was yeah. I think I didn't have time to because there was like two yeah. games on the same day I was going to go to. Yeah, we played right. we played so well that day. I thought, man, we're really set up for the tournament. And then, of course, we lost to Walsh three days later. <laughs> Scott? <laughs> so, Matt, I, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I got to follow that question up. With, who are some of your favorite teams to have watched play? Maybe not didn't win a state title, but they were just fun to watch, entertaining. I'll tell you what. I, well, I'll start with this year. Pete Priolo was my coach of the year. Bedford was my favorite team to watch this year. It was a team that took its lumps. All those seniors were playing as freshmen and they were so athletic. You know, everybody said Bookville was the most athletic team. Obviously Chris Livingston had a lot to do with that this year. Right. Pound for pound, Bedford was just as athletic of them, if not more athletic. Yeah. Because everybody on their team, they had two, five, 10 guards who are football players that could dunk. Wow. Uh, and they could wow. get up and get it and, and yeah. go from one end to the other yeah. in, in a yeah. blink. And then their best player was yeah. like, you know, he could take kind of like Giannis Antetokounmpo, take right. five right. steps and he's already right. gone down the whole court. Yeah. Uh, this year, Bedford was my favorite yeah. team to watch because okay. of that. Uh, yeah. Honestly, the, the more athletic teams are obviously the favorite teams to watch. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that Villa Angela St. Joe's team from 2017, their last yeah. state title team. Yeah. Or they had Jerry Higgins as a senior oh, yeah. or no, he was still a junior that year, I think. Right. Uh, and Lonzo Gaffney was still there. They had Will Butler, the big hulking guard. Right. That was one of my favorite teams to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of some other teams. Luther and East the last two years was a lot yeah. of fun to watch too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's usually those teams that are kids yeah. that have been playing since their freshman yeah. year. Yeah. You know, uh, the Lorraine High team from uh, with Devon Grant, yeah, their, their two year run that that was probably honestly that was probably my favorite team to watch. Wow! If I had to pick a team, yeah, those yeah. those two years, yeah. uh, and just because the ball was like a yo yo with Grant, they had yeah. some athletes. Yeah, they only played six deep. Too. <laughs> really? <laughs> when they went to the state final four, they were only six deep. Wow! Uh, yeah, that was probably. I would say that's my favorite team to watch the last yeah. six years. That's probably maybe I have to say, yeah. is that my top three though? So yeah. I know I'm forgetting somebody. Yeah. Is basketball better today or was it better 20, 25 years ago? Ooh, man. I would say this. I, I, I think it was better in 95 than it was in 2000. Yeah. But, you know, I would say it, it's, I think it's cyclical. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. You know, like we don't know if it's going to be better next year than it was this year. Um, right. You know, it, yeah. I, I would say it was definitely better in 2015 than it is right now. Right. I right. think that's my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, Matt, um, Matt, Matt, who's, who's, who's a really good coach that nobody knows about in your opinion, besides the Bedford guy, which I'm, when I say nobody knows about, I mean, they might be off the, you know, the top 10 radar or whatever. 
Ooh, man. You know I, what I mean? I, like, I like, I, see, that's one where I wish I would have known this ahead of time and I could have thought about it. Cause, right. Well, that's the beauty you, of the podcast. We like to catch people off guard here. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> Man, you know uh, anybody like like that? You think maybe I don't I don't want to say they don't get their just too, but 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 perhaps you're just like man. Well, um, I, I would I would look more for rising coaches. Yeah, there watch. you go. You know, yeah. uh, if I could frame it that way, the first guy that jumps in my mind is Sean Weatherspoon at Maple Heights. Really? Okay. You know, he uh, he's a Canton McKinley guy. He was on some of those good McKinley teams. Yeah. Okay. And he was he's he's been around. I mean, he was an assistant at Beachwood. He got kind yeah. of thrown into that as their head yeah. coach when yeah. they had their coaching situation that went awry. Yeah. Right. And right. then he kind of bounced around as an assistant and he got yeah. the maple job. Right. And I'll tell you what, they have, they have a junior guard who was mm-hmm. averaging 20 points a game. They have yeah. a sophomore who's really good. A kid yeah. who was a maple kid. Yeah. That, and here, here's the, the previous coach at maple. They had a couple kids coming up. He said, this was the kiss of death. Man, I hope I can hold on to this kid. Right. As soon as he said that to me, yeah. I knew he wasn't going to be able to hold on to the kid. And sure yeah. enough, the kid was at another school. Sure, sure. But they had a sophomore this year who, as a freshman, I had seen at like the word summer league going sure. into his freshman year. Yeah. And by the time his November started, he was already at a different school. Wow. He was back at Maple this past year. Okay. And I, I think Sean had a lot to do with that. Yeah. You know, getting that kid back. And Maple has been a school that's traditionally lost a lot of their kids in the basketball sense to other schools. Yeah, they have. So close to Garfield. They're so close to Bedford. They lose their kids to Garfield more than anything else. Yeah. He's a coach who I would keep an eye on. Absolutely. Uh, They've played really well. uh, And they're they're a team that's really not had an upper hand as far as resources and things of that nature. Right. I I think he's going to really turn that program into something. He's got a chance to do something there. That's a good one. That's a good one for sure. I, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I want to look him up and try to get a couple games on Huddle, uh, and 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 see how they are. And um, I haven't seen them this year. I saw them last year. Yeah, yeah. And I went to see them, and they were one of those teams where my approach to sectionals usually is go see some teams you don't get to see. Right. Right. You know, like I was looking yeah. at maybe going seeing Wadsworth and Amherst this yeah. year for my sectional yeah. game because I hadn't yeah. seen either team yeah. this season. Amherst right. is a team to watch next year, by the way. Yeah. They're going to be really good. <laughs> are next they? Year. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, and yeah. I remember seeing that was the first time I saw Sean coach since Beachwood. Okay. And when he was at Beachwood, they, you know, they were, uh, Sir Hughes was still at Beachwood. Colin Albert yeah. was still at Beachwood, but they were yeah. freshmen. Okay. And they had lost some other kids yeah. to other schools yeah. at that time. Yeah. yeah. And they pushed a favored Lutheran East down to the wire. They almost wow. beat Lutheran East that year Wow. in districts. Yeah. And, they were on the road. They went to Euclid in a sectional game last year. They beat that team. Right. They beat Cleveland Heights to start this year. That talented Cleveland Heights team. Wow. Nobody expected wow. Maple to beat them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so that, that yeah. Was, you know, yeah. Yeah. Watch out for Sean and Maple. Yeah. I would say. What What are your What are your favorite three moments that you've captured on video? I, I'm pretty sure you were at the Hoban St. V game a couple of years ago. Um, I don't know if you were there or not. When When um, Garrett Hauser made Garrett Hauser made a, a a pretty sweet layup. And, and then uh, Walters threw a length of the court shot in, and then all heck broke loose. I don't know if you were there on was that Was that the one. game at St. V? No, it was at Hoban. 
it was then I missed it. The last one I saw okay. was I think Colin Colin Gurley's junior year. It was at St. V. I was yeah, say. that was a good game too. That was the last one right. I was at. Yeah, but other other than the obvious Hoven game, I'm just kidding. No, what what are three kind of video you know moments that you're always like, man, I'm so glad I caught that because I, I love watching your. I I don't know how you do it. You're writing on one hand. You got to tell people how you do this. You have well, your notebook on your forearm. You have the camera in your hand, and then what? In addition yeah. to telling us how you do that, what are the three video moments that you're really glad you? Well, caught? yeah. Well, first, I I I I have those steno pads yeah. that are just big enough to basically balance between your wrist and your bicep. <laughs> now, I I will admit, Friday is my bicep day. Right. So during right. football season, sometimes yeah. it, like I bend the hell out of them because yeah. it's like my arms a little more pumped, and it's yeah. kind of yeah. so I, I sometimes like man, maybe I should do things different, but obviously yeah. I like to do it because I like to brag about that. Right. Right. Uh, exactly. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, really I use that notepad as a stabilizer for my yeah. camera yeah. at the same time. It, it really comes down to the fact that I'm left-handed. Okay. If I was right-handed, there's no way I'd be able to. Yeah. Pull it yeah. Off. Okay. Um, that right there, secrets to the sauce. Okay. okay. Uh, so it's basically just that. Okay. As far as favorite moments, uh, it was funny. Uh, Everybody was getting really hyped about Tasso Cook's uh, half-court shot for Westerville Central and right. the regional and said, oh, this is the greatest ever. Yeah. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> In 2016, San Ignatius and Garfield Heights had a game where every quarter ended in a buzzer beater, and it went in oh, double wow. overtime with those going into buzzers beaters too. Oh, my god! Ignatius gosh. hit like a three-fourths yeah. of a court shot. Right, right. John Christian hit a buzzer-beating shot to force overtime. Right. There's nothing that will ever top that. And yeah. what was – crazy was I was still at the point where I was shooting from like the, uh, the traditional reporter spot, the sure. table sure. or behind the bench. Yeah. I hadn't really ventured out enough to yeah. the baseline. Yeah. And I, I got to credit Steve Newton at third coast hoops for really okay. motivating me to say, Hey, how can I shoot from there? And I yeah. thought, Hey, I shoot football from the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah. I can shoot basketball from the side. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, so that, that's probably the number one yeah. moment. It's just yeah. as far as coolness goes. Right. Um, right. Man, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Joe's is why I said Joe's is one of my favorite teams to watch in 2017. There, there was something about that video that was really fun to put together, partly because I snuck on the court <laughs> at Columbus. Right. Right. That helped. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and I got a good shot of Babe Kwasniak, you know, hugging a kid. Um, right. Usually that those types of moments, when you get really yeah. close into a, a uh, moment of joy yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Uh, Warrensville Heights is a district championship win last year against the Elyria Catholic. Right. That was a cool one. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Actually, Cincinnati Moeller beating Solon, I actually enjoyed that video. Right. And partly because there was music playing in the background and YouTube yeah. never took it down. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, those types of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, when the kids look at me in the camera. Yeah. You know, like Josiah Harris did that this year. He started counting down when they won the regional. <laughs> right. I kind of enjoy that because, you know, the kids, to me, that's when I realized the kids really enjoy it when they look for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and anytime they do that, I, I use it. Yeah, and yeah. Because it, it's just a it's just a really cool moment. Yeah. All right, man, I got one more question for you. TK and I talk about this all the time from a coaching point of view, like, to end our career, TK and I dream about going to a real small school in a real small, tight-knit community 
and just kind of getting back to the roots of basketball and coaching there. Do you ever think about, you know, like Wayne County has the daily record, Medina <laughs> County has the Gazette, you got the Chronicle Telegram and the Morning Journal and all these great local newspapers mm -hmm. really emphasize high school sports. Do you ever think about, man, one time it would be great to go back and run one of those newspapers? Uh, I, I've thought about it, but I wouldn't want to do it. My <laughs> job is so much better <laughs> than that. You know, uh, having gone through that experience, it's like, it's one of those things where, you know, like, for example, I got to cover the RNC in 2016. Yeah, It's one of the things I didn't want to do, but I'm yeah. glad I have the experience. Right. Uh, working at the Lorraine paper, I'm glad I have the experience, but I would not want to do it again. Yeah. Uh, you know, being an editor is really tough. Yeah. And it's especially these days because we don't have copy editors anymore. Mm -hmm. So like at, at cleveland.com, we have two sports editors, a night editor and a day, a daytime editor. Yeah. And they don't have the aid of copy editors that they used to 20 years ago. Wow. So they have to rely on us to proof ourselves. Right. And as writers and, you know, me too. Uh, and, and sometimes they have to do it themselves. Yeah. And they, they have all the management stuff to worry about too, mm -hmm. you know, and they have superiors who are actually like, you got to organize this. They have to do all the budgeting and things oh, of that yeah. nature. Right. Uh, and that takes up more time than a lot of people realize. Yeah. So it's, it's a thankless job. And plus, if you go back and you run that stuff, you really, I don't say you can't because there are people who do do it. I will say they shouldn't be. <laughs> uh, when you're running a paper, you probably shouldn't be in the field. Yeah. Because there's so much else you have to do, unless you're yeah. just doing a one-man show. Sure, sure. And in that respect, you're not yeah. really an editor, I don't think, anyway. Right. Um, right. You know, yeah. like if you're doing a record career and you're just a one-man show, you know, it's, right. it's a thing. That's a thing. It, it's, yeah. you're, you're, you're wearing every hat. Yeah. But if you're a paper where you have a few writers, you probably shouldn't be back in the field because you should be helping them be the best writers they can be. So Absolutely. I, I feel like I really, the only way I would want to do that again, and I'd want to do it at cleveland.com yeah. or at the plane, at the plane dealer. Yeah. If my knee got bad and I couldn't run down the sidelines of football games anymore. Right. <laughs> then that's when I'd be like, all right, yeah. we're doing that. Right. And that, that's probably when I say, all right, I'm ready to cover a pro beat or something like that too. <laughs> when that, exactly. when the knee gives away, when the cartilage right. gives away in the knee, right. Right. Is when I'd probably say, yeah, yeah. That's it. yeah. So Matt, um, other than learning about bicep day being Fridays for you, which is a huge, a huge uh, take here on the teacher Coach <laughs> podcast folks. That's right. It's bicep day on Fridays for Matt Gould. Who knew um, anything else before we wrap up about um, things that irritate you or, or different experiences you've had after a game? Because I know it's really tough when you come in and, and, and you want some footage um, and you just lost uh, and the head coach, you know, uh, maybe isn't in a good mood. I, I, anything that you could give as tips to players and coaches after the game or anything that irritates you or that, or that you respect after a game for well, coaches and players? Well, I'll tell you what, with the video, I usually don't, I try not to interview folks with the video camera after losses. Okay. Uh, if I do, what I will do is I try to make it invert, invasive, inversive, or whatever. Bleh. I try to make it not yeah. too 
bad. Like, good. like, like, like sometimes like if we've talked, like, like when I cover you guys against yeah. Walsh this year, Which if lost. I had the camera on, what I do is I just put it kind of like in my cradle it yeah. and have it slant upward. So it's not in your face. Yeah. And sometimes it's, I'm using that more as a backup in case something happens with my phone right. recording right. Yeah. just to have two recordings to, yeah. cause I'll tell you what, there's times where, especially in noisy environments where the yeah. camera picks it up better. So right. I just try to do that out of habit. Yeah. Uh, honestly, my thing is like long locker room weights and I, I understand it, but yeah. after wins sometimes too, right. it's like, right. Oh my gosh. Sometimes yeah. I wish I could just grab yeah. the coach and a yeah. couple of kids before they go into the locker room yeah. from the winning yeah. team. Right. You know? Um, right. Yeah. Cause if I have to wait for the losing coach, yeah. you know, sometimes I honestly, I don't even have to talk to the losing coach. Right. If, if it's not necessary usually. Yeah. And if a coach tells me that ahead of time, Hey, if I lose, right. Just take off. Yeah. I'll be fine with it. Cause I'll tell you what, a lot of times when I'm writing my story, sure. I'd rather talk to more kids anyway. Yeah. yeah. And I usually, for what I do, when I go yeah. see a Hoban, when I go see a Wadsworth, when yeah. I go see a lot of these teams, yeah, I'm only seeing them once or twice a season. Yeah. Unless they're in Cuyahoga County, I might see them four times a season and yeah. compared to what a lot of other papers like the Miami County Gazette, they have somebody at most of the games. Yeah. For me, it's always a treat to see that team. Yeah. So I'm always trying to talk to as many kids as I can. Yeah. So yeah. when I get back to my car to write right. for the written part, yeah. I already have talked to four kids. I necessarily don't have room to yeah. – I'm usually forcing in a quote from a coach from the yeah. losing side anyway. Right, right. So it's yeah. not necessarily that I need it. So yeah. if a coach tells me, hey, if I lose, right. might as well take off. Yeah. Like – I'll tell you what, when I saw you guys this year, I actually left the school building and tried to get back in to talk to you. <laughs> Did you really? Because, because I had to chase the Walsh kids yeah. outside at the bus. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Talk to them. So I had to sneak back in to talk yeah. to you. And even then it was like, for, it was a little bit of a while. So it's yeah, like, if yeah. you had said, hey, man, I'm not in the mood to talk. Right, I right. probably would have just taken off and have been just the same anyway. Right, right. I, there are some writers who are yeah. like, you should talk to me after every game. Yeah. If I talk to the winning coach yeah. and at least two kids, yeah, I'm happy. Amen. Amen yeah. on that. And, and I'm going to wrap up with this question, Matt. Um, where, where is the future of – you know how the athletic has kind of taken over pro sports in different cities and some college sports. I feel like there's going to be um, – Cleveland.com is going to exist because I think it's incredible. But there's, there's going to be other ways in 10 or 20 years of covering this stuff. Where's this going? Like, is it is each school going to have their own media person and just write their own stories? I mean, we're, we're, you know, is it going to be niche? Is there going to be an athletic for high school sports type of thing? Is Yappy, uh, Yappy going to be a newspaper or something? I don't know. You know, I think every time something starts up, I I, I feel like it's not going to last. Yeah. Like, um, like there's some social media accounts out there who yeah. just do it for social media. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at that. That can't be sustainable. Right. That's not sustainable. It's like obvious yeah. the kid, the, the kid who's doing it is in a, in a place where he can do it right now. Sure. Sure. Is he going to stick with it? Right. Right. You know, like I, I've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, yeah. and it's kind of been bouncing around and there's been yeah. times where I didn't get to do it as much as I wanted to. Right. So, you know, I could see a situation where there are more schools doing their own thing. Yeah. I am seeing that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's an opportunity there for, if you want the, if you have kids who will do it, sure. That's, that's excellent for the kids to learn how to do it. Yeah, it is. Uh, the important, the, the only problem fear I have with that is, are they doing it the right way? 
Yeah. Like there are some schools that will just take like stuff I write or a yeah. newspaper writes and put it on their website. That right. happened this year. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you're not, you, you sh- that's wrong. That's, yeah. that's, that's, you know, you're, you're stealing content. Correct. Uh, yeah. So that, that's the thing I fear that'll happen with that, but there's, right. you know, I think the papers will still be around. I think, yeah. I just question about the social media stuff. Cause it feels like it's a groundhog day thing. Like, you know, right. that game yeah. where the groundhog would pop up and you pop it in the head. Yeah, yeah. That's what social media feels like right yeah. like that. Like yeah, if somebody pops up and says, Hey, I'm doing this now. Yeah. Yeah. Will they be around forever? You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think 270 hoops in Columbus is kind of an anomaly. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, man, yeah. it'd be really hard to start that up. And I, I don't know if it'd be able somebody be able to start one up like that again no, no. anywhere yeah. else. Like there's one that started in Cincinnati. Yeah. I wonder if that'll be sustainable. Um, right. Right. So it's tough to say, man. It's yeah. really tough to say. Yeah, it is. Well, um, Matt, what, what's the one thing about your job that maybe the general public or people just don't understand that you wish they did? Uh, because I think as a coach, <laughs> Uh, sometimes there's so much I wish the other side understood. Even sometimes it could be your own parents or just the general public, but you can't tell them everything because nobody wants to hear, you know, our sour grapes. But I, I guess from your vantage point, you know, you, you might get some, I don't know, I assume maybe you get some hate mail or something. I have no idea if people are out there, but what, what, what do you, um, what do you wish the general public would know? You know, I, I think the big thing is, um, Actually, I haven't gotten it too much this year so far, but, and I was kind of expecting it is, yeah. you know, Hey, you should cover this sport more. Why don't you cover that sport more? Yeah. It's like, I can only cover so much. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and, and I would put it this way. I'd rat like, if I tried to cover every sport, yeah. I would do a very poor job of it. Right. Like it right. could be done, yeah. but it would be done poorly. Right. And I would rather cover one or two things yeah. really well. Yep then or with some depth i should yes, say yes then then cover everything like oh i'm going to cover a baseball game a softball yeah. game a track meet right and a uh, lacrosse match right one of those one for each day yeah what yeah. else am i going to do on those sports other than cover one game sure i'm honestly not even going to have a clue of who's really that good yeah <laughs> <laughs> right to figure out where to go you yeah. know so yeah. uh like I'll, I'll tell you what, like for football season, I will plan out ahead of time before the season where I might yeah. go each week. Oh yeah, yeah. Just to try to have a semblance of balance. Sure, uh, sure. Basketball season, I look at the whole month to say, hey, yeah, because I try to avoid covering a team back to back. Yeah. Um, like it was really interesting St. V this year. I didn't cover them at all until the last two weeks of the season because I knew wow. I was going to cover them a ton in the playoffs. Sure. But at the same time, I knew I wasn't going to cover them in districts. Sure. So I covered them like against Rush and Lutheran East. Yeah. And then yeah. reach one game in regionals and then state. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, that was the only time I covered Rush. But at the same wow. time, Rush was a team I saw in the preseason. Sure. Sure. So, yeah. and that's the other thing too. Like, that's going to be interesting this year because football we only have two weeks of two a days this year or right. August practices. Yeah. Yeah. How am I going to approach covering that? Cause two right. years ago, I got to see 50 teams in the preseason. Right. Right. And I'm never going to be able to do that again. No. It's semantically no. not going to work. Right. So, you know, I, I try to have some semblance of balance, Yeah. but the balance can only go so far. I think. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Well, Matt, I think we may wrap up and I can cut this part out. Is there any- First of all, thanks for the conversation. You know, TK and I love talking specifically about, basketball 
And there are a few guys that we've interviewed over the 40 some episodes that we've done who are more enjoyable to talk about basketball than you. So thank you for that. Um, here's what I got from our conversation. I just, we're so blessed in Northeast Ohio to have you working at cleveland.com because what you create has a lot of substance to it. And, um, you know, you're smart, you're insightful, you're knowledgeable, you're really talented at what you do. But the thing that resonated most with me is this idea of moments of joy. And, you know, from a coach's perspective, from a reader's perspective, and from a parent's perspective, that's what you're doing for kids. You're creating moments of joy. And um, that, that's priceless for these kids and these families in Northeast Ohio. So kudos to you. Uh, what you're doing is remarkable. I don't know how you do it, but keep lifting and exercising <laughs> energy to do. Yeah. It. That's, that's the thing. It's all about energy. You know, uh, you brought up some moments of joy that reminds me of my biggest moment of joy of high school was freshman year, our freshman team. I brought this up earlier. Our freshman team in our freshman tournament semifinals, we played Firelands and it went in a double overtime. I still have that game on tape. <laughs> that's part of my motivation in covering high school sports is to capture those types of memories. Cause everybody has those things they never forget about. And for me, that's my never forget moment of high school. So, you know, if I, if I can capture those moments for everybody else, that that's a, that's a pretty awesome job. Yeah. I feel like. Well, Matt, I, I want to wrap up as well. Um, you know, servant leadership is something that's big for Scott and I, uh, and I, I guess it's kind of the reason I coach. Um, try to uh, impact people and make a difference in their lives. And I, I think, you know, if I go back to the roots of your beginning, you know, you, you, you said you did some camera work after your freshman year. And I, I've had, Scott and I have both had incredible relationships with our managers over the years. And I'm not, I don't know if you were officially a manager or if you were just a cameraman, but many times our cameramen end up people who, you know, were in their weddings 10 years later, or they, they come back to school once a month and they talk to us. Um, but to me, the person who takes that role or that job is a servant leader. Um, and I, I think you still are uh, a servant leader for the greater uh, Northeast Ohio region because, you know, you, you may or, or you know, and, and I know I want to go back to Oberlin, too. You know, Oberlin, um, the area, the city, the town was known as uh, as a great haven of freedom with the Underground Railroad going through there and its heritage of uh, basically, I guess, uh, equal rights and freedom and, and, and celebrating diversity. And I, I kind of think that um, in addition to capturing those moments of joy, which Scott alluded to, I, I think you're kind of carrying on the mission of, of that Oberlin area with what you do. You know, you celebrated the Maple Heights coach. That's somebody I didn't even know about. But again, th these are some urban areas where this is a moment of joy for these kids. And it's, it's, a, it's a celebration of, of their lives and where they are. And perhaps they can even springboard from from basketball to something better in their life, uh, maybe a college degree, maybe a, maybe becoming an important community member like a Chet Mason is at Brush, and so many other people that you mentioned today, Sonny at Garfield Heights, etc. Um, but when I, I guess I want you to know this, you know, one of the one of the most incredible things, or one of the biggest accomplishments our Hoban team could could have is making your top twenty-five list. <laughs> like if if you're in the Cleveland.com top ten, no, I'm serious. Like you, you, you did something right that year. I mean, so that's respect. Um, you know, there's other polls that I don't know. I guess there's other polls. There's, I see other polls and, and I don't really care about them. But if you're in Matt Gould's top 10, 
<laughs> Holy cow, man, you, you did something special. So we, we have it clipped in our postseason booklet. I think we ended up 12 or 13. I can't remember right now. I guess I should know based on our conversation, but we're in the top 25 and uh, it's in our postseason booklet. And it, it, it means that you did something special because we gained your respect. So believe it or not, believe it or not, which hopefully you do believe it, you know, gaining your respect for these kids, these players and these coaches is important because uh, for, for one reason or another, um, there are certain members of the media that we respect and you are one. So thank wow. you for everything you do as a servant leader for the greater Akron and greater Cleveland area. It's cool to hear about your roots and thank you so much for being on the teacher coach podcast. Do you have any, any parting shots or any, any words of wisdom to wrap up with Matt? Yeah. Can you share that with some of the Cuyahoga County coaches who will be like, how am I not in the top? How are we not in the top 10? And I, I say, <laughs> Hey, you realize there's like 150 schools that are uh, part of this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I know that's gotta be tough. That's gotta be tough to create each week. I would think. I'll tell you what the, the, uh, the preseason access the coaches give me is, is great. You know, like I, I send out a preseason questionnaire during football season and actually it starts with football. Like, you know, the coaches give me great access to come out, do a preseason visit. That helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, they're in basketball season. It's so funny. Like every year I say, Hey, I'm going to make some more girls visits. Cause you know, yeah. I, I was also the girls basketball cameraman in high school. Oh, wow. Uh, so I did boys and girls basketball. Yeah. And uh, like every year I'm, I'm going to make some more girls visits. And I yeah. successfully did that like two or three years ago. Yeah. And every year I say, I'm going to do it. And then all of a sudden, all district football happens. This happens, that happens. <laughs> yeah, and next right. thing I know, it's like, I'm lucky if I get out to two schools. Right. And because girls season starts a week earlier. Yeah. And that's something I'm very hopeful for this upcoming school year. Next school year is the football playoffs start early. With the season starting early and there's going to be fewer opportunities to do football visits. Yeah. Hopefully that season going into the playoffs earlier. Right. If the if the Basketball seasons start at the same time. Have you noticed if next season starts the same start time, like November 1st for the boys or not? Uh, Scott, we, yeah, I'm pretty sure it I does. It, yeah. That might offer me a chance to get out to more girls' practices, which I will be <laughs> thrilled to do if that right. happens. Because right. I had a lot of fun two years ago doing it. And, yeah. uh, and you know, basketball is basketball. So, Absolutely. Uh, so that's the thing. And that really helps with me just getting out there, talking to coaches in person a little bit more getting your preseason thoughts and yeah. uh, we go from there. Absolutely. Well, we're back, ladies and gentlemen, the teacher coach podcast. It, it took us all the way uh, until April, but this is no April fool's joke. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, the story of one of the best journalists in uh, the state of Ohio, Matt Gould from cleveland.com on the teacher coach podcast with TK Griffith and Scott Matthew Callahan. Thank you for listening folks.